The Weekly Dish podcast is brought to you by Lakewinds Co-op in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, and Richfield with delivery from Instacart. There's no membership required to shop at Lakewinds. All are welcome. Check out lakewinds.com, and if you can't make it to a Lakewinds, please visit your local food co-op in the neighborhood near you. Many of you are shopping local, and as we get into the summer, we can finally embrace what's in season. How about this? Grill dry-aged limousine beef sirloin with locally grown garlic scape pesto and local asparagus, or pistachio-crusted salmon, which is local salmon from Superior Fresh, crusted with pistachios and served over wilted greens. How about a spring herb and vegetable pasta with asparagus, radishes, peas? It makes a super crunchy, tasty pasta side dish. And don't forget the pantry staples, like white beans, right? You can make a delicious cold bean salad with olive oil, lemon juice, fresh herbs, asparagus, sugar snap peas, and you can even toss in some leftover chicken. This time of year, one of my favorite snacks is plain yogurt with berries, farm fresh honey, and any of the granola you can find in your co-op. Lakeland's Co-op is stocked to the gills with fresh, local produce, local meats, local dairy. And if you can't shop at Lakewinds, please visit any of your other neighborhood co-ops. Lakewood's food co-ops are in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, and Richfield with delivery from Instacart. And you can find them at lakewinds.com to set up your order. Dishers, I'm Stephanie Hansen. Hey, I'm Stephanie March. And we are here for you. Can we just have a quick aside? Because we have a lot of great literal food news coming up for you. Yep. You and I are starting to look a little bit like sister wives in that our hair is grown. Is my yours hair is trying butt to kill yet? me. Yeah, I feel I like wake I wake up am with it wrapped it around my neck. Full on. And it's trying to kill me. So are I you going to. You and I have funny hair things because we both are starting to wear the same kind of glasses. We both have long hair. Are you going to, like, sometimes you cut short, sometimes you stay long. What are you doing with your hair? Well, because of the Jeep, it's better to have long hair in the summer. Yeah, because so you can, I can put it up on a pony. Yeah, so yeah. I can hold it back. So I'm my plan is to stay long. I am going to cut, like, about an inch off of this just myself because it's getting ratty. Um, Do you cut your own hair? No, but I will because I can't get in anywhere because <laughs> I'm sure it's going to take 100 years. I know, it has so been kind of well manic. cut it myself. So I'm going to cut it. And then, um, and then I'm going to, uh, just for like, like an inch off right now. And then in the fall, I'm going with the long bob again. Okay. The The lob. lob. The lob. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to have the lob then. Oh, crepes. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Now that we know what you're doing with your hair, just in case people are wondering. (laughs) Why are we, this is Allie shop's version. This is arms and Allie's territory. My ghost like appearance, meaning my white eyebrows, my white eyelashes, my complete lack of facial definition. I have made an appointment. I've prioritized to yeah. get eyelashes and eyebrows. What does that mean? What do you mean get? Like, do you get I'll tinting? get them dyed. Yeah. Oh, do you do that all the time? I was, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Because so, look, they're, look at, I look like. But that's, I feel like that's your. You see me a lot without makeup at work. Right. I think that's it. But I don't, I'm not a makeup person. I don't have that kind of time to be drawing in and doing all the stuff. So I go and get them lightly tinted oh. so that I don't even have to wear makeup, actually. Look at that. So that was my priority number one. The hair, the cousinette situation, that's a solid number two. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Because I'm putting it back all the time. It is, though, getting heavy. And it's like, you know, then it pulls the ponytail. 
And then it's like, so then it's like your hair hurts. Like I just had to take my hair down because it hurts. Yeah. But I will say this. I am so also, my hair is a lot less heavy than it used to be because I'm 49 years old. And it starts to fall out. It's starting to thin out. (laughs) It's just thinning. It used to be so thick. Take your biotin. That really works. What is it? Biotin. It's a vitamin. It really works. Helps grow hair. Okay. Uh, which is, uh, that's waxing. That's a whole nother conversation, wow, we are, right? We are off the rails, kids. Okay, off talk to rails. you in an hour or two. Give him the old one, one, two, one, two. And now, the Weekly Dish presents one, two, one, two. Top Two, Top Two. The Top Two. Pick your best two. In our two. All right, give me two. All right. Uh, Stephanie, you want to start? Sure. Uh, well, we decided, you guys, that today we were going to do, um, we were going to support uh, black food influencers and not influencers, but influences. And so people who, uh, you know, in the black community are doing um, really cool, interesting things through food. And so my first one is actually going to be, um, I'm going to put you towards Michael W. Twitty. And he has a book called The Cooking Gene. And we haven't actually talked about it on the show, but I would like to do that within the next, uh, with sometime this summer, um, to talk about it because it's the journey through African-American culinary history in the Old South. Have you read it? I have read parts of it, but more importantly, last year at the James Beard Awards, I got to sit with Michael Twitty. Oh. And he is, uh, he is... He's a fascinating man. I was at the table with Sean Sherman, who was getting, you know, mm-hmm. an award, a Lifetime Achievement Award. And then um, and then and and Michael was also getting an award, but he was at the table with us. And I had the most just I mean, even just like dinner conversation, you know, but we were talking about farming and we were talking about traditions. And we happen to be talking about, you know, black farmers in the South. And um, God, he just is the a wealth of knowledge, but really understanding about where our food and and cooking traditions come from is something to me that is I know there's you know we talk about you know when people cook the wrong things and I'm not about that I think that the for me one of the most fascinating things about food and history is the journey that food and history that food makes and that's through cultures and through things and and understanding that but understanding that to me is extremely interesting um, and it makes it more delicious and it makes it mean something when I cook something if I know more about it and I know that's my journalism side but that's a great book I bought that book and I read half of it and I left it in the van actually oh no um being in the Caribbean where a lot of the slaves first landed and seeing what the slave trade was like on some of these islands and then in Nevis there are a lot of plantation homes Mm -hmm. and we went to a traditional African dinner that was held and um the uh descendants of people that still live on the island that had come from the slave trade we had a whole meal and they talked about what they served and it got me interested in African cooking and how that has influenced the Americas. Yeah. So um, he has a site called Afro Culinaria, exploring culinary traditions of Africa, African America and the African diaspora. And he, and I'm going to put a link to that, but I really do. If you get this book, the cooking gene, it is, I have to, I have to get into it, but I'm so excited. It's It's really interesting. Okay. Um, I'm going to start with Jametta Raspberry. Okay. Jamita, do you, how do you say it? Jametta. That's what I thought. Yeah. Her and I first met at um, the Women's Chef Conference. And there were a lot of great women chefs from all over the country there. And I thought she was from somewhere else. I don't know why I thought that. But she introduced herself and she was like, I listen all the time. I was like, oh, you're from the Twin Cities. This is so great. Do you have a business here? And she did. She has a catering business. 
And then we've just sort of stayed in touch since it's like that. She was on the show. Were yeah. you not on the show? No, no. I wasn't here when she okay. was on. Um, but we just have stayed in touch. And when all of this started brewing, she's got a catering business called House of Gristle. And I knew if anyone was going to be putting together resources or trying to figure out how to feed people, that Jamita would be doing it. And Jamita, sorry. I've said that twice. Yeah. I, You know what? I have it in my mind. Um, never mind. I'll tell okay. you later why I'm getting this confused. In any case, I texted her and I was like, hey, what do you need? And she was like, well, we could use some money so we can buy some supplies. I was like, done. Send me your Venmo. And she has uh, helped serve over 5,000 meals in the last week. They have been down um, at the George Floyd Memorial. She's been moving all around the city. And in addition to being a black woman and trying to deal with the feelings that you would have about systemic racism and this happening again, she's turned that into a lot of good. And so I'd like to support House of Gristle. A lot of you talk about like, well, I need catering for this. I need catering for that. Consider her. She's amazing. She does a great job. Yeah, that's great. Okay. I love it. Um, uh, my second one in top two in hour two is uh, Mr. Tommy Beavis mm-hmm. and Pimento Kitchen, which I don't know if you guys saw, but I, I wrote uh, a little as told to for Bon Appetit.com from uh, with Tommy and really profiled him. And I'm very I'm 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 and I told the editor at Bon Appetit like how grateful it was that they were listening to locals. They weren't just sending someone in or calling from New York and trying to understand that they were using local reporters and local and talking to people and to profiling them that way. And I thought that was great. Um, but Tommy is, uh, of course, you know, uh, a Jamaican man who is, has been in the community for a long time and opened two restaurants, Pimento Jamaican kitchen, one in St. Paul and one in Minneapolis. He closed the one in St. Paul for due to COVID. Um, but Minneapolis never did close. And, and in fact, even during the unrest, he chose to stay open as a, a resource for people, as a safe place. And I think what he has become and what he is doing there is beyond amazing and, and beyond fighting for himself and his people and his neighborhood. And I think he just deserves a lot of credit for standing up and saying, you know, I'm a black man, I'm a black business owner, and... You know, but if I don't have, if someone kills me, if the cops kill me, then I don't, what's the point of having a business? So I, he's, he feels this very deeply. And through all of this, what I love is that today he is having a radical act of caring today, um, a radical day of self care, I think they're calling it. And he is saying, you know, he recognizes that there's been a lot of trauma, a lot of trauma on all sides, trauma for the black community, but trauma for the neighbors who have had to have black hawk copters flowing around their mm-hmm. neighborhood and had to watch and had to stay vigilant till four in the morning and lost sleep. He recognizes that and he is saying, Hey everybody, let's just come together. Let's have some music. Let's have some food. Let's just chill. There was yoga at I think 11 or nine or whatever. And then, you know, it's just sort of about being a good community and healing together. So that's at Pimento Kitchen, Tommy Beavis. He's my second. Uh, his wife, Dara Beavis, is pretty amazing, too. She owns She's a company wonderful. called Wise Inc. Publishing. She's a partner in, and I did a Makers of Minnesota episode with her to talk about uh, being an author, and it's it's good. She also wrote uh, a great piece for the New York Daily P- 
Post, I think it was, or the New York Daily. I don't remember. Um, but anyway, it was a wonderful thing about being black in Minnesota. Yeah. And that's a specific thing because you know that we don't, you know, we have a, it's, it's a way, the ratio of white to black here is so skewed. And so it's very specifically, there's a very specific thing about being a black person in this, you know, largely Nordic heritage state. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. She's very smart. All right, so my next one is Rose McGee. She's the sweet potato comfort pie lady. Uh, What she does is she makes pies and she recruits people to make this sweet potato pie. She has her recipe that we've posted. Mm -hmm. And she just decided that it it helped her to help people heal and to give them comfort through pie. Yeah. And I just think that simple, again, the act of giving food and having community and sharing food is amazing so we'll put that up on our facebook page and when we come back we'll talk about more patio talk and what you can do for some of these restaurants that have been damaged hey everybody it's steph march for common ground minnesota you know what food brings out the passion in people and people love to talk about food and so why wouldn't we talk about the people and to the people who are growing our food we have an opportunity you guys common ground minnesota on facebook is a place where women Farmers are able to answer your questions about the food scene and the way that they grow food. They are ready to engage. They just want to talk about how they grow food, what they think about why they grow food, and all the things that have to do with the way that your family is eating local foods and what they're growing. Remember that you always have an opportunity to check in and chat with farmers in Minnesota at Common Ground Minnesota. It's right on Facebook. It's on Instagram. You can check them out on Common Ground, M-I-N-N. They're ready to answer any and all of your questions. All right, welcome back to the Weekly Dish Prime uh, problem here. We were talking earlier about all these patios opening at different times. People now can open on Wednesday, so some people are just marshalling their resources towards that. I recommended that someone go to one fermentary and tap room today, but they're not open until Wednesday. Yeah, I would say that the big rule, guys, is to check their social page. And can we talk about Facebook checking or- for just one second? Because... For whatever reason, my husband thinks he doesn't have to check with anyone about anything. I was like, okay, you have to call them. He's like, why do I have to call them? Like, I'll just look on their website. I'm like, people are not, a lot of these small businesses aren't updating their website as fast as this information is moving. So social media is a good place to check. Why wouldn't you just want to not waste your time? Or just call. Like people are answering because nobody used to call, right? Nobody ever called anybody for anything. And now you have to call everyone for everything. Actually, this generation. Just call. It's funny that you said that because the younger generation doesn't want to call. But like Kurt's generation usually wants a phone to like a like a voice to voice contact. Nope. Kurt is introverted and would rather not talk to anyone, including his wife some days. So. He's, oh my I make him sound like I make you us do. sound like I have like the worst marriage in you the do. world. And you don't. You guys I don't. Are great. But that's why I probably talk about it like that, because I don't, yeah. you know, I know. In any case. um, So if you are wanting to go somewhere, if you are wanting to visit your favorite patio, your favorite tap room, uh, give them a call. Look on their Facebook or their Instagrams and try to figure out if they're open or not. Stephanie, just give me if you were going to go to a patio right now. What would be a patio you would go to that you like? <laughs> no, I can't do that. Why is that's, it like saying your children yeah, is ugly? I don't know. That's weird because I don't know. And also, I don't know what's open, you guys. I haven't done the work to know what's open. Um, I would say that, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you can't ask me that. Sorry. Okay, not going to ask you. Uh, I'm going to go to Sea Salt. 
If I had to ask myself, okay, what patio am I going to go to? I'm going to go to Cecil. I know it's It's like the park curbside. They were feeding people like for free for two days. Yeah, it was pretty great. Yeah, it was great. Um, Let's talk a little bit about some of the restaurants that sustained damage. Yeah, um, in the uh, both Minneapolis and St. Paul area. We put up a link. Uh, there are a lot of funds being set up to help rebuild. Can we put up a Minneapolis St. Paul link? <laughs> I did on something else. Okay. I'm trying to spread it out. Okay. I got you on the second one. Okay. Um, Town Talk Diner. Do oh, you, you think- have that one. Yeah. yeah I you- just want to say, because we have been working to update it daily, and some of the other links had posted early. I just wanted to make sure that we had yep. an updated one. That's I all. always go to you, girl. Okay. Um, I'm even more aware of it because you made me aware of it once when I wasn't. So now I'm aware. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, in terms of, do you think the Town Talk Diner will rebuild? I don't know. I mean, I know it's really early to be talking about that. Yeah. But well, I don't think you can ever rebuild it the way it was. And I don't think that they necessarily... Because it was historic. Yeah, it was historic. And uh, I don't know if that ownership really... I think that they have said publicly in different places that I couldn't like find an actual quote for you, but that they were... They're not interested in in rebuilding there. They're going to go somewhere else in South Minneapolis, and they'll probably do some a different restaurant. Do something. Else. I think there was the town talk. The the hardest part about that is that it was. I mean, you had to call a town talk. Whatever restaurant you wanted, you had to call a town talk because there that sign was the historic piece. I saw that sign damage in a smoldering pile. I sure hope someone grabbed it. No, it's trash. It's done. But can't they even the it's, sign being trashed? What that means. Like from a historical perspective, of I don't know representation of this time. I think it's. I think it's. I mean, I think it's just a pile of rubble at this point. Okay, so I don't know. It's just metal. In the end, it's just metal. The good news is we have lots of pictures of it, and we have plenty of yep. you know moments underneath it. And and actually, if we're talking about historical significance of it, it would be more appropriate to have like Tim Niver talk about what it meant for the cities. For, you know, yeah. in this in our modern era, but. Uh, but I know a lot of the other it. a lot of the other restaurants in that area, like Gandhi Mahal mm-hmm. and, and Midori's Floating World, those guys are all talking about, you know, coming back and rebuilding. And my hope personally is that that neighborhood does retain its uh, you know, immigrant owned restaurant it's character, influence. Yeah. Because what I'm worried about is that and Governor Walsh said this yesterday a little bit, that people are going to start approaching these people, investors who want the land, and they're gonna wanna come in and they're gonna wanna say you know, here, here's a bunch of big pile of money and I'm going to buy this, this thing. The gentrification. And then it's going to look exactly the same as every other place and where we're going to lose that. And so I'm hoping that we can still retain that. I'm hoping that people are going to fight for that neighborhood in that way. Um, all right. So we've put a link to some of the fundraisers and the GoFundMe for these restaurants. I want to in particular call out Manny's Tortas. Yes, Manny's. Manny is just a, gentle lovely sweet man and his family has um, manny's tortas in the midtown global market they also have a fair state fair booth where they had the big pineapples mm-hmm. and um their tortas are delicious they could use some help yeah and i know uh manny is a very prideful man so i'm glad that people are getting the message that he could use some help right now yeah no he's uh he's definitely his family has been you know i mean the east you know, the roads were shut down and everything else. And then it was, you know, the Midtown Global Market could use a little bit of love, too. You know, mm-hmm. they they basically there was a couple people who fended off. There were some people who wanted, you know, some fire things that were maybe going to happen there that they, 
you know, some people stood vigil and made sure that, you know, people because people live above that and there's low income housing. And and it was like they wanted to make sure that people were safe in their living spaces. Also really interesting about El Burrito Mercado on the west side and the neighbors that came out to protect that grocery store. Yeah. That is a story. Not coming here. And she kept telling uh, Melissa, who's a friend of the show, obviously, kept telling them, like, you know, I don't want you to come here. Be safe. I don't want to put yourself at risk. And they were like, nope, we're not hearing any of that. We're staying. Yeah. And they stayed and helped protect that resource for that neighborhood and that community. It's a huge resource for that community. My God. Yeah. Um, No, and I think that was it was lovely that they did that. Yeah. Really, really tremendous support um, there. Uh, we did put up how to support uh, the Twin Cities link from Minneapolis St. Okay, Paul good, magazine. That. Sorry, that's okay. And what you'll find there are funds, donations, and organizations to support. You'll find some of the drives that you can participate in. There are a lot of churches and a lot of community organizations. There's cleanup events. Um, there's a cleanup today in Powderhorn Park that started at ten thirty and maybe is already done, but there is that. Also, I'd like to commend Stephanie March for her Black-owned businesses to support list that she worked on with some other folks at the Twin Cities. Did you do any of it? Yeah, I mean, I'm helping them. But I have to tell you, our intern staff uh, has stepped up and really, really, these are young kids who this is their first, like, journalism job. They did a great job. job. And they're doing a great job. And that's why I would rather have them working on that than having them pull just patio names together. Yeah, they're doing a great job. But I do love that. I do love that. And, um... I think they're doing, I think that supporting those businesses and the ones like, like Lat 14, which is in Golden Valley mm-hmm. and how I got a note from Ann Ahmed. She said, you know, a lot of these restaurants are pulling together just to help support communities for people who don't know how to get to the right places. Yep. And so like, we are back. You're listening to the weekly dish and we have a caller on the line. So we're going to take her call. Uh, hi, Jane. How you doing? Well, good. How are you? Great. What can we help you with? Good. Well, quick question on storing rhubarb in the refrigerator. I had picked some rhubarb over a week ago. I bet it's close to two weeks. And I um, have the stalks in a Ziploc baggie in the refrigerator. Uh-huh. And I noticed the ends are kind of fraying. But I was wondering how long I can keep that in the refrigerator. I do plan on cooking it. Um, I don't know if there's little, like, spores or anything that would grow on it. So basically, I guess, how long could I keep um, rhubarb stalks in the Ziploc in the refrigerator for as long as they look good yeah just cut off they the frayed part hearty. yeah make sure do you, you cut off the leaf yes i did okay yeah and if you get like the ends get looking dry just cut that off mm-hmm. um and as long as they're not mushy but whatever. let me tell you i accidentally okay. left a bunch of stocks that i was collecting for somebody else not you in my garage <laughs> um and it, they sat they were sitting in a bucket in my garage which gets pretty warm too and they were still fine after like 2 or 3 days like they are a hearty hearty bunch you can also oh, um just like celery you can put them in yeah, a, a bucket of cold water and that will sort of rehydrate the cells a little bit okay and if totally okay. pushed and you can't get to this rhubarb cut it into chunks and freeze it yeah okay it, it would be it's great for making syrups and shrubs and jams. It's not that awesome for pie because it, it, it the consistency breaks down a little bit. But my husband mm-hmm. even freezes it and uses it in pie. He just has to use a lot more thickener. Yeah, I have froze it, but I didn't know if it was even too late to freeze it. If- no, just cut it up. Throw it's it in. It's never too late okay. to freeze it. Okay. I'm going to make Hanson a t-shirt that says, cut it into chunks and freeze it. Because that's <laughs> her answer for everything. <laughs> is it? I bet it is, too. It is.
Yeah, but I know you were talking about how to eat it. I think it was last week or the week before. And what we did on the farm is we would pull it and then we would skin off the outer edges and we'd eat it with salt. Yeah, or sugar. A lot of people really? do that. Really? With salt? Yeah, we did salt. We did salt on the farm. We'd eat it raw. We'd pick it, peel it, and do the salt. I'm Yum. in. Thanks, Jane. Yeah. Appreciate you calling. Yeah, well, thanks Thanks for your help. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, I'm s- sort of confused about where I am here. So, okay, we're giving you guys more resources. We're talking about um, some Black-owned businesses. There is a fundraiser that's going on that got really a lot of attention for Lake Street, and that's awesome. They've generated a lot of money. And Yeah. Um, but I wanted to call attention to uh, Minneapolis's north side. There also, there were impacts. There was fires that happened in that area as well. There are businesses that have been damaged. That is an area that is not very well funded traditionally. Yeah. And they have not met their fundraising goals. So if you still are inclined to give, we'll put the link up on our Facebook page. These businesses in North Minneapolis, they are um, trying to create a rejuvenated and alive North side. And in order to do that, you need infrastructure and you need support from businesses. It's hard to get loans. You guys, if you're a small business, it is hard to get loans. Well, and I was going to say, it's more than about, let's be clear. It's more than about fixing a burned uh, doorway or a punched out window. This is about when you're saying you want to support black lives, you know, and, and support those businesses, putting money into North is the way to do that. The best. Yeah. You know, yep. so so we will put that up. And if you haven't had the opportunity to give or if you find yourself in a position to give more, I'd like to point that out. I was someone who had a business in North Minneapolis, and there's a lot of great neighbors in that neighborhood and a lot of great people that have been working in North for a long time. True. That is a very long withstanding neighborhood. They've had a lot of issues there with um there, you know, there's a lot of trash companies over there and sanitation. They've had a lot of uh, lead poisoning mm. from uh, some of the businesses in that neighborhood. The North has been overlooked for a long time. And yeah. if you can help support them, this is a good time to shine the light. Um, also talking just about food deserts, right? So we put a link up to hungersolutions.org. They have a map that is there that gives... Tons of ways to get food. And if you need to get food right now, there's no shame in that game. Like I was going to say, I want to make sure that we're also saying that it's not just about food deserts. It's about the unemployment factor that is out there and that people are struggling in this economy. And if you have the ability to give and to help, that's what you do. And if you have the ability to take advantage of the help that you need for your family, for your friends... There are lots of people that you just walk up and it's like a free store and you can get what you need, take what you need. If you have a family, if you just need to feed yourself. Yeah. There is no shame in that game. We are all in this together. The unemployment rate just skyrocketed in the last eight weeks. Yep. And we know a lot of people are food insecure. Mm -hmm. Um, What I like about hungersolutions.org is they have food shelves. They have places that you can donate. They have places that you can go and sort so it kind of is a collective for a lot of places that have community food distribution and food shelves. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. So as long as we are continuing to go down the list, um, there is a uh, document 
that I was given by someone that worked at Target. There were some women that came into their organization and did a learning session about anti-racism. And they had put together this document that has books to consider, podcasts to listen to, articles to read, videos to watch, movies to watch, documentaries to watch. Good. And I have found it to be the most comprehensive um list that I have seen for resources that felt like somebody that's white like me mm-hmm. can start to look inward and figure out what my part in this is as a person of white privilege. And I, again, will be just vulnerable and tell you, I always voted in what I thought was the right way. I gave money. I donated. But I had a hard time getting past the shame of being white and figuring out what that really meant in today's society. I wasn't sure how to atone for something that happened, what I thought was 400 years ago. And what I'm learning is, is that was just the start of what happened. And it has been systemic. It has been profound. It has been continued. It has been political. It has been social. And there are things that I can do for myself that will impact my communities today. And that took me some soul searching and some education to get there because I just felt bad. I felt like, okay, I feel bad about being a white person and that's not going to get us anywhere was literally what I thought. Mm -hmm. And now I understand what my role is in the system a little bit more. And I found that in a lot of these resources here. So we're going to put a link up to the anti-racism resources. I think it's a really good comprehensive list. If you're someone that's interested, you want to do the work, you maybe want to figure out what your place in this is, I would suggest going there. Good. Um, all right. To there, I've got like a whole list of just sort of dribs and drabs kind of things. Um, we're still talking about how to give. We're talking about uh, how to clean. A lot of the neighborhoods have been pretty cleaned up at this point for what can be cleaned up by citizens, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about, there was a little bit of restaurant news that came out. Uh, we had talked about uh, Justin Sutherland and some of his uh, restaurants were closed and he's redirecting his resources. Um, I live in the Cathedral Hill neighborhood and the Fitzgerald, which is there called the Fitz, mm-hmm. is being transitioned into Handsome Hog. They're yes. moving it from uh, Mears Park and moving it up to Cathedral Hill. They've built a outdoor patio area that has some smokers outside. It's kind of in between the Fitz and uh, Red Cow St. Paul. So he's going to be moving his restaurant uh, up there mm-hmm. and turning it into a handsome hog. And I think they're still going to do pizzas, it sounds like. I don't know if they'll still be doing like the deep dish situation. But so that was some news that came out. Good. And let's see. I think I covered all of the news uh, (laughs) that I wanted to cover there. We are going to come back and talk about um, some locals that we love. And there is a lot of citizen journalism that's been happening and a lot of journalists that came to light to my eyes, people that I hadn't been following that have done such a tremendous job covering what is happening in the Twin Cities. I just want to give them a shout out when we come back and talk about locals to love. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Weekly Dish. Thanks for being here today. It's been great. Um, I, I hope that we have helped you guys 
uh, you know, just some different perspectives or maybe, you know, affirm some feelings that you were having that you were maybe uh, didn't know what to do with. I know a lot of people have a lot of feelings on this, and I just want to respect the fact um, that everybody has their own journey time and their own journey scope and scape. And like everybody has to go through things. And I really support people who listen and reflect, you know, and there's a lot of reactionary stuff out there. And I understand that people are maybe shouting at you for being silent. I just want to support everybody's journey and understand that, you know, things, sometimes things take time to understand personally. I love action that fixes a problem, you know, or fixes an issue out there. But I understand that people have to change internally through time and effort on their own. So I just wanted to say that. Yeah. And, and it's weird to be experiencing or going on this journey as a person that talks out loud. Yes. But yet knowing that it has to start with me. Yeah. So that's what I would like to say. If you are interested in resources or talking with me offline or DMing me, I've had some great conversations with people that are like, I just don't know what I should be doing. Like it's just personal. Right. Mm -hmm. So start with yourself. Yeah. Um, uh, we should probably talk about what happened with Holy Land. We should. And it's a really challenging topic to talk about. Yeah, Ugh. it is. And- Holy Land, Delhi's owner. There were Instagram and Twitter items that surfaced. So it seems that the daughter who of the owner was, um, you know, the catering manager. She had a uh, a past of expressing herself with sort of... Um, Horribly way. And if you read the tweets that she that they that surfaced on Reddit, which an account she had deleted um, and she said she was sorry. And it was at a younger time when she was um, a different person and that she didn't understand. Uh, she said some pretty bad stuff. I mean, horrible. It's racist, like supporting Hitler and Nazism and really like fat really, people, black people, the Jews. She just went on and on and yeah, on. It seemed and it was and I think the hard part of it was how cavalier it was and how easily the hate flowed from those posts. And so I think it was, um, I think that was a hard thing. And I guess what happened is like the, her, you know, her dad said, you know, he found out about this. I don't know if he found out about it and fired her. I'm not quite sure about the, he removed her from the family business, but then Midtown global market made the decision to not renew their lease. And that is a massive, that's a big step and a big motion. But knowing that that Midtown Global Market, in essence, is a celebration and it's meant to be an incubator for immigrant-run businesses, I, I, I do get it. I do see where that, be, that coming to light and to feel that that presence is in the mix is, is an uneasy place then for the other people it, who are trying to start a new life and a big life. Yeah. And also as a parent, I have such feelings oh, about I like, don't even know at what point as a parent, are you responsible for your adult children? And then what happens when your kids go rogue or did they go rogue? Like, is that how you feel as parent? Do Is that what it's it's so complicated. But when you start to have parents be responsible for their adult children, now, in a business perspective, I get it because you, as a business owner, I was going to say it's more of a business thing for me. I think, but it it got into my feelings about wow, as a parent, what do you do? Yeah, because he had to fire his daughter to save his business and to have the integrity that he wants to have in his business, but yet, just I also felt for him as a parent. Yeah, I, did. I didn't, I did, but I also felt like 
I don't know. I don't know. I and I don't know the situation, so I don't know how much he actually knew. I don't know what he yeah, told. And it's hard to know that. We too. don't know that. And so for me, it wasn't about the personal thing because I can't possibly know their personal interactions and relationships. All I know is that it was. It was uh, that kind of stuff. Remember, you know, is out there forever, and that's hard. And that's hard to. It was hard to read, and it did make me personally feel like, wow, that's that's you know something that I don't. I would. I would think if if I knew that somebody who was running a business had those kind of feelings, it would be hard to give them your money. It really would. Yep. And so that's about all I think I can say about yeah, it because there's so much that we don't know. So much we don't know. Although I do say, I know a lot of people thought that Midtown Global was reacting too fast and was pulling, you know, sort of punches. But I understand the safety, like that community, regardless, you can't put that in a vacuum and say like they lost their lease. They lost their lease in a community of immigrant restaurants and and food spaces where a diverse community gathers every day and there's a safety factor to that if that person is running there and still has feelings of of animosity toward the international peoples that's not that's not okay i get that i understand that yeah it'll be interesting to see how that business is able to move forward in light of these seemingly true allegations so, so there, there you go. There it is. Can we just shift to something yeah. potentially more positive? Yes, quickly? please. Let's end on a high note. Okay. We're gonna, I'm just going to call out a couple people. Okay. I'm going to call out the journalists because yeah. this whole movement, if without those journalists, whatever journalism people you follow, they captured that moment. They risked their lives. They have been injured. They have been stoned. They have been vilified. They have been told they are fake news. And they are out there putting their selves on the line so that we can get these images, these pictures, these stories. Whatever you feel about the mainstream media, the lamestream media, whatever you want to call it, these are human beings that are out there just doing their jobs. Yep. And their job is protected by our First Amendment rights. And I just have so much respect for the journalists and I want to call out uh, Ricardo Lopez from the Minneapolis Reformer. He was not someone I had been following. His did you sign I, up for their newsletter? I didn't, but oh, I should. should. I will. Mm-hmm. He his journalist integrity and his tweets and his following of the story was really eye opening and fab- fabulous. The Wedge Live, which is a newsletter. For the Lake Street East, Lake of the Isles East neighborhood, their reporting was incredible. Um, I want to call out um, Mike Max from WCCO. Everybody's having a love fest with him. Because he went from sports reporting to literally being on the street and getting these stories in a way that he walked with the protesters for days. Yeah, And his, by the way, my daughter calls his doofus dad energy comforting. She was like, (laughs) he's got that doofus dad energy. And I'm like, I think you're right. I think he's like... I think that's comforting. I like it. I like it. Um, I also want to acknowledge the Sanctuary Hotel that has sprung up Mm -hmm. at the Sheridan in the Midway. And this is a hotel that's being run for homeless people. There's 200 homeless people staying there. It's been completely staffed and run by volunteers. I hope that that is something that can continue on. I know that they've been working with the business owner. There is someone that owns that hotel that yep. allowed that to happen. It's amazing. So that's incredible. I want to call out our friend Tony Zaccardi. Yeah. Who's been on a lot of media stations. He's amazing. He was on with Lori and Julia, um, their show yesterday in which we were on. 
And just the way that he represented our city, the way he represented how hard it is to be a business owner mm-hmm. and a black business owner. Mm-hmm. I, I really had a lot I of respect Palmer's. for him. Uh, I also want to call out Target. I thought as a corporation, they demonstrated a lot of leadership. You didn't always see uh, the information. In what ways? They were sending information to their employees okay. multiple times a day Okay, about what was happening. They were... they continued to pay all of their store workers when those stores were closed. They continued to provide resources about anti-racism. They have had listening sessions. They have done a lot as a corporation. And I just want to say, again, Target is a local business. When you buy something at Target and you spend a dollar, 70% of that money stays in our community. Great. That does not happen at Amazon. I love Amazon. It's all good. But Support your local businesses, people. It means more now than ever. It does. And in that vein, I'm going to tell you this. Go to East Lake Street, you guys, and eat tacos. Pop into a taco shop. They are open. A lot of them are open, and they need business. They need you to be there and to show up and get some quesadillas, which I am happy to do. We know that. <laughs> we do. I am going to be eating quesadillas like you wouldn't believe to support some of these East Lake taco places and use this as an opportunity to meet some people in your community that you may not have before. Give them your money. Tell them you appreciate them. Make our city great, you guys. Thank you. Ciao, ciao.